great. I want to take you to an old, old story. And I believe this could wake us up to see there's more going on than we know. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, what a great way to start the end of the year with a war, yeah. He would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. Can you imagine the temper tantrum? Who is telling us? Who's letting us know? Who's telling them that I'm, I'm going to attack? What, what is going on? Who is leaking information? Who's the spy? Off with their head, right? The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Awkward. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him, as if that's really going to work. Okay, he just, Elisha just revealed where they're going to attack. So do you think Elisha will know where the king is going to go get him? Hello? Anyway, it's just very funny. The report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. So something is going on here that is not common to our normal sight and to our hearing or perception. Somehow, Elisha has been made aware of the plans of somebody else far away. How is that even possible? In our normal world, we, it's not. Unless somebody's got a radio wave or a CB radio, walkie-talkie, cell phone, all that stuff, just to reveal that. But this is way before then. How is it possible? Is there something more going on behind the scenes that the eye can't see? Is there something spiritual going on? I know we have, in the church history, we've, said, we've set aside things, some things as spiritual and some things as secular and not spiritual. What if that wasn't true at all? What if everything is spiritual? Everything is. So somehow, God, through his power, reveals the words of King Aram to Elisha, and Elisha tells the king of Israel, and we've got this going on. So there's some communication going on. Call it quantum, if you'd like, because that's been a popular word lately. But something quantum is going on here that even they don't understand. Let's keep going. What happens in the rest of the story? So when the servant, the man of God, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what do we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, don't be afraid. Huh. Elisha says, don't be afraid. Who else has said that phrase all through Scripture? Yes. And who else? Angels. 
Don't be afraid. And yet, that is one of the biggest issues in today's culture, fear. Being afraid. And all that gets absorbed inside us as stress. Because we want to control. We want to know. We want to be able to manipulate our future and our past if we can. We, we want that. Gotta know, gotta know. He says, don't be afraid. For there are more on our side than on theirs. And you can just imagine this young kid standing there going, 50,000, two. What do you mean there's more on our side than theirs? What do you mean? Because this young boy only has eyes to see what he physically sees that he, of something he's conditioned to. He's used to only seeing with his human eyes. Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see, Elisha prays. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Oh yeah, not, not just chariots and horses. Fire! <laughs> Almost sound like a charismatic preacher. Fire! <laughs> I wanted to try that. No, I'm just kidding. He sees something that he could not have seen. Why? Elisha prayed, God, open his eyes to see what is there. This begs another question that I'd never thought about before. How did Elisha know? Was Elisha already seeing these things? I've never asked that question before. I've never thought about that before. Because I just read the story. Oh, Lord, you know, of course, uh, you kind of told me this stuff going on. Open his eyes. I just, I just, I didn't think Elisha may have already been seeing with spiritual eyes. Huh. Are we living up to our potential? Are we seeing the way God wants us to see? Are we too focused on the here and now and the physical are we consciously aware there may be more going on than I thought? I remember many years ago, I read a, a series of books by Frank Peretti. Uh, it started off with This Present Darkness. Do you remember that one? And then Piercing the Dark and all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, I thought it was the bomb. I thought, this is the best. Now I understand spiritual warfare. Now I know the stuff going on. So I'm looking if there's a demon behind that. Is there an angel hovering over there? Ooh, they're fighting back there. Look at that. You know, so it made me aware of stuff. And by the way, as I began to think about those things, of that going, potentially going on, that's what I thought about. That's what I began to see because that's where my focus was. Was I hallucinating? Probably. But the awareness that there's more going on than what meets the normal eye, that was big. And here the eyes are opened and he sees an army of chariots and horses of fire. Do you think he's afraid now? I don't think so. Suddenly, they're outnumbered. The ones who came to attack are outnumbered. It's bizarre. Then it goes on like this. Can I have the clicker, please? As the Armenian army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, 
You've come to the wrong, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I'll take you to the man you were looking for. Do you see the humor in this? <laughs> he prays, Lord, make them blind, and poof, they're blind. The whole army. That's a lot of people. Okay? Then he goes out as him. Wrong place. Let me take you to the proper place. And he sets them up. Watch this. He led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. <laughs> Maniacal laugh. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, what was Elisha thinking? Like, did he plan this or did God speak to him moment by moment and give him moment by moment instructions? We don't know. But I'll bet you he wasn't smart enough to come up with that plan. I believe it was given to him. And so he led them to this place. They opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. They were trapped now. So not only do we have vision to this young boy who sees the army uh, in the hills of chariots of fire. Now the young boy sees everybody becoming blind and had to be led away. And then he sees that they all can see now. And I'll bet you the guys are shaking in their boots. They're scared. I, I would be. It's like, oh, darn. <laughs> Wrong turn. And here's what happens. Clicker. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. <laughs> you think? This part of the story has serious ramifications when it comes to our perspective of who we think God is and how he works. Take a look closely. The king of Israel says, my father, should I kill them, should I kill them? Which is what you typically do. We got them now. <laughs> Let's take them out and they'll never bother us again. And God turns it on, the, on his head and says, no. Speaks to Elisha, says, no, we don't kill prisoners of war. Feed them. Some people think God's after killing people. This is a beautiful picture of the grace of God by loving your enemies. Pouring love on them. I think it was Jesus who said, you know, you, you, you love them and it, it's like pouring, uh, burning coals on their head by being kind to those who, who harm you. And here's what they did. They put <laughs> generosity, a large feast. When was the last time we did something super nice to the person driving us nuts? We usually go for the least path of resistance and find the easiest way out and get a little jab in, don't we? Instead, here, grace screams from this old story. Feed them. A meal together with people is one of the most intimate things you can do, especially as a family, eating together. Because you enjoy not only the physical company, but you perceive physical expressions 
Have you ever had somebody in a bad mood at the dinner table? Just an absolute grump? No? (laughs) I've never done that. But you perceive that because you're in close proximity. Why? Because the vibe you send off, the energy you send off is felt by those around you. Somebody may say, oh, I sense you're not in a good mood. (laughs) It means they, they feel it. They see it. Here, this was turned, this turned what was supposed to be uh, a takeover of these men ready to take down Israel. Their hearts were now turned to good and they stayed away from Israel. This is your God. This is the God we say we believe in. Maybe there's more going on in the background that we're unaware of. Maybe there are people in your life that are going through difficulties that you have no idea about. And your kind word, your meal, your gift, your generosity will be that grace to redirect their lives. You have the power in you to do that because Christ lives in you. He is that power. He is that source. He is the one you are one with. He is your wisdom. Sometimes we ask, Lord, tell me why. Why why do I have to? What's the purpose in this? What's the meaning of this? How about you stop asking the why question so often? We're wired for why, why, why. Ask every five-year-old, why, 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 why? Because! Just shush. What if you don't need to know the answer? What if God is simply providing an opportunity for you to grace somebody? And you don't have to know why, but he's going to use you because you're an instrument of his love. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with not knowing the outcome? Oh, or taking credit. That was me. I gave that meal to that person. That's why they are where they are today. It's me. Folks, what if everything is spiritual? What if there are things going on around you that you run aware of and you are a co-participant in the journey of life and grace in other people's lives, not just your own? Are you okay with that? Are you aware of that? Or are you too self-centered and self-focused on your own stuff? Got to get this project done. Got to get this school done. Got to do my job. Speaking to myself here, this is, I can get pretty intense and pretty focused on jobs and can't get out of my head till it's done. You know, what if? May 2019 be a year of awakening to see things you have not been seeing. How was Elisha able to act and see in faith? Had he somehow mastered a spiritual eye to see? Things that are not physical? What happened when he prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened? Does that mean Elisha saw all along into the spiritual realm? It's possible. The heart of God was revealed when the king asked if he should kill the prisoners. And the answer was no, don't. Luke 8.10 says, he said, You have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret, hidden mysteries of God's kingdom and realm. But to those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. 
Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. You've been given a teachable heart to perceive. You have all been given a teachable heart to perceive. Every one of you has the capacity to perceive the kingdom of God realm. I used to pray, oh Lord, may your kingdom come. I'm waiting for your kingdom to come. Oh, when will it arrive? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Stop it. The kingdom has come. The kingdom lives in us. We don't wait for what has already arrived. It has come in the person of Jesus Christ. A beautiful Old Testament picture is the dream Nebuchadnezzar had. When Daniel had to interpret the dream, he said, oh, what is the dream? The dream was uh, there's a statue made out of all these metals and blah, 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 whatever. I'm going through, through this quick. Then a stone cut f- from a mountain, with, not from human hands, came and it smashed the foot of the statue. And down came the five representations of kingdoms. And the stone, this is the part we often forget, the stone then grew and covered the whole earth. The kingdom of God. Jesus is that rock. And it came in the story of Bethlehem. That's when the rock came. That's when it came and smashed the systems trying to rule the world. And now we have a kingdom of God living in us. The kingdom has come. Will you open your eyes to see it? The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in. When your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate the darkness, and darkness takes its place. Open your heart and consider my words. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. If your spirit burns with light, Fully illuminated with no trace of darkness, you'll be a shining lamp reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. Not by your eloquent words. Not by your stance on a denominational belief. Not based on your theological perspective on any category of theology, the study of God. It's not about that. It's about living the light. And it's proven through how you live and how you treat people. That's when your true character comes out. And some of us don't even know our true character. Your true character is your union with Jesus. That is who you really are. And the more that that wakes up in you, the more his life and light will flow out of you without you even trying. I will rescue you from the persecution of your own people and from the hostility of the other nations that I will send to you. And you will open their eyes to their true condition so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power or dominion of Satan to the power of God. By placing their faith in me, they will receive the total forgiveness of sins and be made holy, taking hold of the inheritance that I give my children." There's a perception here. There's something they're seeing. Why did I highlight the word receive? 
It implies not having something, then getting something, doesn't it? What if that word meant something that you didn't realize? What if the definition of the word receive, by the way, it's lambano, transliterated. Oops, that didn't, forget that. That, that was, yeah, anyway, I had the Greek text there. The font messed it up. So here's the definition of that word receive. To take, to take with the hand, lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. So if I receive, believe my forgiveness, I get to walk in the forgiveness that is mine. It's already mine. But when I receive it, I believe it. By believing, I receive. It's still mine, but by receiving it, I am actualizing that fact in me. To take what is one's own. See, I love that part. Because it's already yours. Now you're taking hold of what is yours, the forgiveness that has been given to you. To take oneself, to make one's own, to claim, to procure for oneself. Or to take, to admit, to receive, to receive what is offered, not to refuse or reject. Now, I go back to this, by placing their faith in me, they will receive the total forgiveness. We get to declare the forgiveness of God to people. We get to declare the reconciliation that has already taken place. We ask people to believe it so that they will experience salvation. They'll experience the profound love of God in them. That that experience will change the direction in life. Galatians 3.1, what has happened to you, Galatians to be acting so foolishly. You must have been under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? So here Paul is saying to the Galatians, are you guys so foolish? And what's going on in this book, he's saying, guys, you're going back to law. You're going back to legalism to follow rules, thinking the rules are the way to God. When in fact the rules were never a way to God. In fact, the law, its purpose was to reveal we cannot do it in our own strength. And yet people want rules of how they're supposed to live because they don't have to think. It's easier just to do what you're told than actually think, perceive, and listen to the Spirit of God living in you. See, that requires relationship. Where are the rules? You just follow the rules. It's easy. And then you measure yourself against the rules, and then you find your worth in the rules. Jesus came to abolish the law. First, to fulfill it. Okay? He did. He came to fulfill the law, not to, not to take it away. He fulfilled it and then brought in a new covenant, making the old one obsolete. If you don't see that, then you won't see what the Christ life is about. Open your eyes to see. Life is about grace, not following the rules. We are no longer under the law. We were never, actually. But we are under the law of the life of Christ. And that law lives in us. And that law, that life speaks to us giving us instruction, what to say, what to do, when to do it. Ephesians 1.4 says, And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. 
Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Dear family members have opinions of you. Do your co-workers have opinions of you? And are they always colorful? Are they always nice at every moment? Or are there times where they don't perceive you very well? Well, sometimes their opinions matter and, and we react because we value their opinion. When it's not a positive opinion, we, we become upset. We want to measure up, especially if you're a good people pleaser like me. You know, you, you try to fix other people's opinions. But what if the only opinion that matters is how your Father in heaven sees you? And if he sees you as holy, as clean, as forgiven, and if you would believe his voice, because his is the only voice to trust, imagine what will happen to your peace. What will happen to your soul if you listen to him? And believe his opinion of you. And his opinion of you is good. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. Flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. What happened there? He wants to illuminate the eyes of your imagination. There's more to see. Open your eyes. Not just to a room, like when we turn the light on, suddenly we see objects in the room. But to see beyond that? To see a spiritual realm? To see that there is more going on than we are aware of? Lastly, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Since you have. Since you have been. Since you have been. As in past tense. Hey, you've been raised. Okay? Since you have been. You do get that past tense. Okay? Since. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not just the things of earth. Flip that around now. Take a look at where the kingdom of God is. In us. In you. I now get to see Don as a man walking with the kingdom of God in him. And I will treat him differently because I see him as one filled with Christ and one with Christ. If I don't, then I've set my mind on something earthly Do you see the difference? I want to see things as they really are. The true reality, the spiritual reality. We are one with Christ. We have new life with Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, we died with him. When he was raised, we were raised with him. And we are in union with Jesus. That is our true identity. And he heard Hope Fellowship. We continue to discover what it means to know your identity.
know who you are, and then you live from who you are. Unfortunately, if you've been raised in the church long enough, there's a lot more unlearning to do than you ever dreamed of. I'm still unlearning, but the, the wealth of imagination and vision in front of me is so vast, I can't explain it. I'm just going, oh my goodness, there's so much to learn, so much to see. This love of God is bigger than I ever dreamed of. Are you kidding me? Wow. I'm tired of regurgitated sermons. I'm tired of the same old meaning for the same verses all the time that have no life to them. It's just a here, read this verse, and there we go. Like, here's an example. A lot of the funerals I'm at, I, I read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I could just read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lie. Everybody else goes, yeah, 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 yeah. As in, it's a normal routine. What if the Lord is my shepherd is a fact? And the truth leaps off of those pages into my heart and into everybody else's heart. What if it comes alive? What if it can come alive? Well, it needs to be alive in you first. May God wake you up to an exciting gospel, good news. May you not read the scriptures the same way ever again. May 2019 be a year of excitement and vision to see what you haven't seen before. <laughs> Ephesians 3.18 and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is to understand. The Passion Translation says, then you'll be empowered to discover. Or you may be able to comprehend. How about the word see? To be able to see the love of God bigger than you've ever dreamed of. That's what we want. Looking back at 2018, what do you see? Do you see only a year of difficulty? Do you only see a year of problems? Do you only see a year of, oh, this happened, that happened, oh, that's the year I got sick, that's when I lost so-and-so? Is that all you see? Or can you have eyes to see better and realize, I can look back over my life and I can see God's hand at work in so many circumstances because sometimes our hindsight is twenty twenty, and we forget where we've come from. We don't live there, but it's a picture of proof a proof of God's hand in our lives. Then how can we look in the future as well? What do we look at? Oh, it's giving me a tough year. Oh, the economy looks scary. Oh, look at our political realm. Oh, brother, so depressing. Stop looking at that. Instead, look at the hope that God's giving you for 2019. For you to be light to somebody else when they're stuck in their darkness. So 2019 could be a year of you being the key to unlock other people out of their darkness. You be that because you have Christ in you. Take time to slow down. Ponder, contemplate the love of God and let his love guide you moment by moment, instant by instant. What do you see? Do you see what I see? Are you okay with surrendering control? Are you okay to trust your Heavenly Father with the outcome of 2019 without you having to figure it all out? And believe me, I'm talking to me. <laughs> the last number of months, all the turmoil in my own head, 
Oh, brother, what was I thinking? I'd wrap myself up in the spin cycle of concern and over-worry. That is not grace. If you see somebody else in that, don't thump them with a Bible verse. Okay? Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Instead, love them to light. Instead, be gentle. No condemnation. Be gentle. May 2018 end on a great note. Heavenly Father, your grace is enough and the joy you have placed in us is incredible. Not happiness, but joy, unspeakable joy. Fill our minds with the thoughts we need to think about. Open our eyes to see what it is we need to see. Be our wisdom, be our light, and make us teachable. Thank you, Father. Amen.